0: Before we get to the message, how many of you have been coming to Woodland for a year or less? Raise your hand. A year or less? Okay for a oh, yeah, all right, awesome. Proud of you. How about from two to five years? Or all right, and then and then more than five wow, really good mix. And what's the awesome stability? I appreciate your faithfulness. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. I always like to ask that question just to see the dynamics that are taking place. And um, in just a minute, I'm going to show you a video, and I'm going to ask you to do something um, uh, outside of your comfort zone here is, is I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand up with me this morning. Let's go ahead and stand up. Everyone stand up together. And a video, and I found out that Pastor Corey preached last week on influencing others. Apparently, God is really trying to nudge you in a certain direction because we're going to talk this morning about living on mission. Living on mission. Now, before uh, I show you this, well, actually, while the video starts, I'm going to ask that everybody in the, sa- in the sanctuary find a different seat to sit in. What? What are you thinking, man, coming in here and telling us today? Whether you just move one pew forward or one pew across the aisle or whatever it may be, just find a different spot and then go ahead, hit the video. When it's done, you can sit down and enjoy the video. Check it out.
1: Equipment. We have cameras over there and over there. And these are going to be real people Josh talking to, right? Yeah, real neighbors when we invite the church. All right, there we go. <coughs> okay, here comes an old gentleman. You see him? Yeah. Okay, who's that? That's Kenneth. He's a real dude. Okay, this is a great opportunity for you to highlight how your church is primarily under 40 and how you lack the experience and wisdom that can come from someone older and wiser. Okay, we yeah. okay. Okay. do a sound check. to church sometimes. Do kids like that? Yeah. Church? Yeah. You should come to church with me sometime if you ever want to see your kids again.
0: <laughs> 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 I'm in you get lost in all the fun. Good All right. Now, how many of you sat in a different seat? Raise your hand. All right. I heard I tried. I don't know who that was, but yeah. 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 You know, a lot of times, you know, we get set in our comfortable rhythms of life and we don't like to step out of our comfort zones, which is why one of the biggest challenges when it comes to being a Christ follower is sharing our faith. If you were honest this morning, how many of you would say, I struggle on a consistent basis sharing my faith with others outside of this building? Raise your hand. Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah, quite a few, quite a few. Yeah, it could be, it could be a challenge because you're thinking, you know, what, what words do I say? Or I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to embarrass God. Or I don't want to come across, you know, judgmental. I, I don't want to do it wrong. And there's all these challenges. I remember when I was 17 years old, around there, I was working at Thunderbolt Lanes in Allen Park, 94 lanes. And there I was just, you know, trying to share my faith and talk to people. And and eventually, my boss came to me and said, Jeremy, according to your beliefs, would I go to hell? Woo! What would you say? That's a tough question. And and, And I was like, I was very scared. Should I tell you what I said? Wait to the end of the message. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: So, as challenging as it may be to share our faith, what can we do, and what should we do? Because we're going to discover that God's called all of us to live on mission. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Now Mark is the second gospel in the New Testament. There's an Old Testament and there's a New Testament. And Mark is the second gospel in the New Testament. We're going to look at this morning that the hope of America is not the Republican Party and it's not the Democratic Party. The hope of America is the people of God literally leaving the gathering places, the church, and being the church as they go be the hands and feet of Jesus in their daily lives. And we're going we're to see how this all plays out. And here's another thing we're going to learn this morning is that the same diversity that exists in the body of Christ, you know, male, female, all different, you know, ages and nationalities all over this world, as diverse as the church is, is the same diversity that God gives for us to live on mission. There's not a cookie-cutter way for us to do that. And actually, I had a slogan um, something that I do when I preach is I have a slogan. I'll have you repeat it in a second. And it's kind of like the, the thread throughout the entire message that, that's the main theme. But I literally changed it during between the first service and the second service. So you're getting a different slogan than the first service. And so if you can repeat this slogan with me this morning. If you can say, life is a missions trip. Life is a missions trip. Yeah. Life is a is a missions trip. Has anybody in here been on a missions trip overseas or anywhere else? A few few people? Yeah. When people go on missions trips, they do things that they don't normally do in their everyday lives. But I want to ask the question, why? Why do we go on missions trips and then come home to our lives? What if life is a missions trip? Now, Mark chapter 1 is a powerful portion of Scripture because if you read the Gospel of Mark, it's very action-packed. He's like giving you the highlight reels. He's like, bam, bam, Jesus did this and this and this, being a typical guy, right? Not a whole lot of details. However, in the first chapter of Mark, it's the only place where he slows down and writes in hours. He, he literally, Mark chapter 1 focuses on the first 36 hours of Jesus' ministry and life. And so here's the thing, is if Mark really hones in and zooms in into hours, then I think it's imperative that we look at what is taking place in Mark chapter 1. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 16, you'll read this with me, it says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they were they were fish they fish for a living. Then Jesus called out to them and he said, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Other translations say, I'll show you how to be a fishers of men. And and this may sound like Jesus is just kind of walking along the shore, just kind of casually out enjoying his, you know, Jesus, how many of his Jesus are like long walks on the beach. And he's just going along and he just spontaneously comes across, you know, these two and he calls them. But that's not what was happening because he wasn't there by accident. There was a call for discipleship because it was a call for these two to break ties from where they were and to follow a new path. That's a disciple. A disciple follows their master. They break complete ties with their former allegiance, and they now have a new, uh, fo- a new rabbi or a new master. And so those of you who are taking notes, point number one in this passage of Scripture is this. Jesus calls us to be his disciple. He calls us to be his disciples. And this is so imperative that we get this part before we talk about mission because the reality is if Jesus doesn't truly become our Lord, then we're probably not going to follow him on mission. Jesus wants us to surrender completely so where he has our hearts and we're willing to step out of our comfort zone. Because if we don't, we end up doing things half-heartedly. Now, if you have children, how many of you have ever asked your child to do something and they did it, but they did it with an attitude? Uh-huh. Yeah. First service, no one, like, oh, hardly anybody raised their hand. I'm like, oh, it's just my kids. Wonderful. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. What happens when they do it with an attitude? Something always goes wrong. When they start doing something with an attitude, they start, they're complaining or their, their mind isn't focused. They get hurt. They break something. Nothing works out right when we do it half-hearted. A few months ago, I was driving back from Grand Rapids during the polar vortex. It was insane. Grand Rapids got blasted, blasted worse than downriver. And I'm in the car and lo and behold, (laughs) my tire pressure light comes on. Ding. And I thought, oh man. I mean I'm kinda skinny and I'm freezing all the time. I'm kinda cold right now. I was joking with Pastor Corey. I wanted to kinda change shirts with him in between services because he had long sleeve on. And and, and so I'm like, man, I don't wanna stop, but I stop because I'm I see accidents happening and people on the side of the road. I'm like, I don't want to be one of those people. So I pulled off to the gas station and I pulled in and, and, and I, I'm, I'm doing this, this tire, this tire, and that the front passenger tire. And I go to do the rear passenger tire and the thing, it, it, it won't reach. I'm like, come on, you know, and I'm counting down and you got the, the, the timer going on and how much air you get. And I'm like, do I really want to spend another dollar on air. I'm back up the car, and then bring it back just to get that one tire. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm freezing. And I'm like, I probably fixed it anyways. And so I jumped in the car, turned on the ignition, and sure enough, ding, the tire pressure light was still on. So I'm like, what do I do? Do I I go back out in the cold? Like, ah, forget it. So I drive home, and I got home, and a few days later, that one tire that wasn't, you know, uh, I I didn't reach, I filled it up, and guess what? The tire pressure light went off. And it was, I'm like, I'm glad I got home safely, but whenever we do something half-hearted, it never turns out good. And the same is true for our spirituality is, you know, Jesus is calling Peter and Andrew, and he calls us to be his disciple for absolute surrender. And he tells them, yeah, you were fishers, you, you know, you were fishing, that's what you did for a living, but now I'm going to teach you to do something in this direction. I'm going to call you to follow me and be a fisher of men. He had, they had to break ties. And to be a disciple, we have to surrender, really, um, our entire lives so that he can be in control. Right? I think a good example of that is Bruce Larson is in New York City and he counsels a lot of individuals who want to follow uh, God or maybe pursue God. And what he does is he takes him to the RCA building in New York City on Fifth Avenue. And he walks into the RCA building and there's a picture of Atlas. I mean, this strong, buff, you know, statue, like, kind of like Pastor Corey, you know, just sitting there. And and he's holding, holding up the world and you know, struggling, but he's doing it. He's, he's barely holding up the world. And Bruce Larson will look at the individual and say, this is an option of how you can live your life. And he takes him across the street, literally on Fifth Avenue. There's a church called St. Patrick's Cathedral. And uh, in that church, you walk down the center aisle and the altar is this this statue of an eight, nine-year-old Jesus holding the world effortlessly in his hand. And he tells his clients, he says, you know what? You have a choice. You can carry the world on your shoulders or you can say, I give up, Lord. I surrender. My, My life is yours. And that, Is what a disciple is. I I want to show you this quick chart before we move on to the missional point. And and, and this is huge because so many people, uh, you know, want to reach others. They want to make a difference, but they don't realize that it all starts at the core of the lordship of Jesus Christ of our own spiritual formation. Because if Jesus is not Lord and if he's not working in us, it's not going to flow through us right? Because life is a missions trip. But the, so you have the spiritual formation at the front and in the center. Then you have kingdom culture. And what kingdom culture is, is learning, is the word discipleship. Learning to, what it means to live out of your new identity. To live out of your new priorities. To live out who Jesus says you are, not who you think you are, who others say you are, but living in that kingdom culture. When we do that, when we have that spiritual formation and we have the kingdom culture growing in our lives, then all of a sudden the social relations, our network of people begin to become impacted, which ultimately culminates in changing the world. But it all starts with being a disciple. Change comes as we follow Christ. See, life is a missions trip. So point number one was we're called to be disciples. But here's point number two is Jesus calls us to live on mission. I want to read that portion of Scripture in Mark chapter 1 one more time. It says this. um, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net to the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me. I will show you how to fish for people. So you had this discipleship component, but once we become disciples, then we have a missional component over here. And he calls Peter and Andrew to become fishers of people. And they had spent years and years and years, they knew how to throw nets, but Jesus was about to show them a new way to throw nets. And a, and a powerful thought. I want you to listen to this. Here um, is that in the Old Testament um, and in God' prophetic tradition, it was it, it was God who was seen as a fisher of people. So the Israelites looked at God as the one who was a fisher of people, and then we see Jesus in the incarnation. He comes and he dwells among us, and then we see Jesus now commissioning his followers to be fishers. Of people to join him on this redemptive, redemptive plan of restoring God's children back to the Father. But yet we all raised our hand, or not we all, but Lot raised our hand a few minutes ago saying, man, I struggle with sharing my faith. It's a real issue. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want anybody to raise this hand, but if I said, how many had an opportunity to, to, to talk to someone about Jesus, you know, or pray with someone who wasn't a part of a, a service or outreach at Woodland, there probably would be a lot fewer hands. Because we, we wrestle with that. There's awkwardness and there's tension and we don't feel prepared and, and there's all sorts of things that, that, that you know, sometimes we get paralyzed with. But there's exciting news. There's a story of this guy who went on a boat. Anybody get seasick a lot when they go on the boat? Yeah, I do. I do. I get seasick all the time until I started wearing these sea bands There's like, pressure points on your wrist. They, they work, like, uh, amazing. I mean, last time I went fishing, my two daughters were catching fish while I was over the side of the boat throwing up. Ah! Oh! And they were laughing at me. Like, no pity. No, Dad, rub my back. Are you okay? They're like, ah! Oh, look at Dad! You know, pulling in the fish. So uh, the, the story, this guy was, uh, he got seasick, and so he went down below deck. And he was just trying to, to get better. And, and if, if there's ever a time that's hard to think of other people, it's when you're, when you're sick. When you're sick, all you kind of think of is, is yourself and the pain you're going through. And so, yet he hears this, this call from the upper deck saying, Man overboard! Man overboard! So he kind of gets himself up and he runs up to the top deck and he doesn't know how to help. And so he grabs this this light that he found and he started just flashing it, um, you know, in the water just trying to be of help. Sure enough, they rescued the guy who fell overboard. And so he went back under deck and he continued to lay down. Well, a few days later when he felt better, he got back onto the top deck and was able to talk to the gentleman who was rescued. And he said, what happened? Tell me the story. So he said how he fell over. He said, I was going in and out of the water, and I was losing strength, and I was losing breath, and I thought I have enough energy to do one more thrust forward and trying to get someone to see me. And he said, and just as my hand came up, he said, there's a light that that was shining on my hand, and the gentleman in in the rescue boat grabbed my hand and pulled me in, and I was saved. And what I love about that story is is this fact that there was somebody in the rescue boat, there was somebody screaming man overboard, and there was someone shining a light. All three different ways they were making a difference, making sure that person was rescued from death. And just like that, God calls each and every one of us and yes, it's, it's a process. He's developing us. But here's the beauty is that every single one of us are different. See, Peter, like you know Peter, he was bold. And at Pentecost, he stood up, Acts chapter 2, and he started preaching, right? And, and everyone said, what's going on? And he, and he preached, and 3,000 people crossed the line. into a relationship with Jesus. And, you, know, you know, Peter was the one that was walking to the, to the gate and, uh, for a prayer meeting. And, and, he, and the, there's a uh, a, a lame man there, and he says, hey, silver and gold I don't have, but in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he was, he was healed. And Peter was bold. But some of you are like, man, I'm not a Peter. Like, I can't do that. Like, if I, if I stood on the stage, I would stutter. Or I, would, I would lock up. Or whenever I get an opportunity to, to talk to a small group of people, I panic. I get all nervous, and I can't put my thoughts together. Well, well, here's the beauty of it all. Not all of us are Peter because God doesn't want us all to be like Peter. We would be in trouble if the church was full of, of, of everybody like Peter. Because no one would be listening. <laughs> Some of you are amazing listeners. God's gifted you. You can just draw people in and let people connect and pour out their heart. Some of you are great encouragers. Some of you are good motivators or are just good, you know, influencers and connectors. Look at at Andrew. Now, Andrew, remember, because remember Peter and Andrew both were called to be what? Fishers of, yeah, fishers of men, fishers of people. Andrew becomes a fisher of people just like Peter. However, it looks completely different. So what happens to Andrew? Well, first and foremost, the three passages of Scripture that we see about Andrew doing ministry, he is always introducing people to Jesus. Behind the scenes, not like up in front, look at me, like I'm Peter. He's just kind of connecting people and draw and connecting the dots, helping people encounter Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 41, we see that it is actually Andrew who introduces Peter to Jesus, so when Peter stood on that stage and preached, and three thousand people came and everyone's clapping, woo! Right, filled out their communication cards. Andrew was a part of that because he introduced Peter to Jesus. Then you go on into um, John chapter 6, and you have this whole uh, feeding of the 5,000, right? Did you know it was Andrew who grabbed the little boy and brought those loaves and fish to Jesus? So that miracle happened, and people saw the glory of God because of Andrew, the connector, the influencer. Not the public speaker, but the influencer. And then lastly, in John chapter uh, 12, there were some Greeks that showed up to Jerusalem for the Passover, and they wanted to see Jesus. I mean, I mean, obviously, word is spreading, and, and everyone heard of the miracles, and they want to see Jesus. They ran into Philip, and they said, hey, Philip, we would like to see Jesus. Well, guess who Philip gets to make sure that happens? Andrew. Andrew, he goes up to Andrew, The like, hey, Andrew, you're the, you're the influencer. You're great at this. And so Andrew is the one that helps these Greek individuals encounter Jesus. So no, Andrew doesn't get the limelight. He doesn't get the stage. But thousands of people encounter Jesus because Andrew lived his life on mission. Fisher of people. Did you know that only about 5% of people really have the gift of an evangelist? And so, I mean, I want, I want you to just breathe. Everyone take a deep breath. All that pressure of like having to go on the street corner and, and, and be something that you're not. I mean, for me, I like, you know, this what I, I mean, I love what I do. And so I could go out in the streets and talk to people, but that's me. And we're all different. But it doesn't matter, though, what our personality or our temperaments. We're all called to live on mission. We're all called to use our resources and our gifts, our talents, and our abilities to help draw people to Jesus. It may look different, but life is a missions trip. This is why Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, As for you, always be sober-minded, Endure suffering and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Well, the Greek word for evangelist here, it doesn't mean stand on a corner in a soapbox and preach to people as they walk by. It, It means a bringer of good tidings, of good news. You know, and so if you think about, you know, someone who just brings good news, and that's really what Peter did when he stood on the stage and he preached, but it's also what Andrew did when he introduced people to Jesus, so think of all the ways that you could bring good news to your neighbors. Think of all the ways that you could bring good news to your coworkers, to your 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 I don't should I say school? It's okay to say school, I know it's summertime, but your classmates. What what, what can we do to bring good news to to that that barista at Starbucks that you go to all the time or Dunkin' Donuts or Tim Hortons or whatever it is? What can you do to leverage who God made you to be, to be a bringer of good news? Because life is a missions trip. You and I have received the grace, the forgiveness, the mercy, the love of Jesus Christ. Sometimes when I'm in worship, I'm like, God, I'm so thankful that you've never given up on me. God, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be in your presence. I don't deserve to know you. Why wouldn't we want other people to experience that? And we don't have to be someone else to do that. Just simply say, God, I want to use who you made me to be, to be your hands and feet to a lost and dying world. Maybe it's a conversation over lunch break. Maybe it's, you know, meeting someone for coffee, or maybe it's, maybe it's cutting your neighbor's grass or helping take care, pull weeds in their cracks that, in the sidewalk or drive away. Or maybe it's, if you're at, when you're at school, students, maybe it's uh, sitting, you know, um, next to someone who's not very popular. There's a thousand ways that we can, we can do this, but we, we are called to be fishers of people because life is a missions trip. I want you to check out this closing video.
1: One morning, I walked into a church, but it wasn't on a Sunday. I looked around and I saw the empty seats, the sun glistening through the dust in the air. At first, I was distraught at the sight of the empty chairs. But then, I was filled with joy. I realized that the people who were once in those chairs were now outside of the building working at their jobs serving in their communities laughing with their co-workers and growing with their families they have the opportunity to be the church not just sit in it when can we be like them when will we see the opportunity given to us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, bringing hope into the world. Stained glass can't pray for the sick. These walls can't preach the gospel, but you can. The building you're sitting in is just a building.
0: there was this lady named Alila, and this is in a different country, and she had her six-week-old baby, and she was walking along the shore, and she began to walk into the water, and she walked all the way until she got about waist deep, and she began to cry and sob and cry and sob, and finally, she just thrust the baby into the water, and to his death. Well, naturally, she fell to her knees, and she began to just weep uncontrollably until this one missionary, his name was M. V. Varghese, he saw her crying uncontrollably and so he walked up to her and began to ask her what was wrong. And she said, you know, the problems in my life are so great and my sins are so many that I offered the best that I have to the goddess of the Ganges and I gave my firstborn son and the missionary's heart just was so broken and, and began to just share the gospel of Jesus Christ and the good news that Jesus Christ paid the price for the forgiveness of our sins. And after he got done sharing, she looked up at him and said, you know, I never heard that before. And then she said, why couldn't you have come 30 minutes ago? Because if you would, my son would still be alive. I wonder how many people are going through so much just heaviness and the spiritual darkness and no, no hope. And we're walking around them all the time with the light of Jesus Christ inside of us. And they're they're going, will somebody just show me the way? And God's going, I've already empowered you through the Holy Spirit to go, right? and great commission, make disciples of all nations. Go, go. And my, my dream and my vision is that if God would raise up a church that, yes, churches that, like Why Not Family and Woodland will still do outreaches. And we'll still still do VBXs and, and different things. But my dream is beyond that is that, that we don't just draw people to here. But we go out into Kroger and Walmart, our next door neighbors. And we go to those that are hurting, that are broken. And we go and we live our lives, not trying to be someone that we're not. But we go saying, Jesus, open my eyes to see what you see. Open my ears to hear. What you here. God, I give you my hands. I give you my feet. I'm an available vessel. Whatever you have in store for me today, I'm game because I'm your disciple. If that happens, there's no limitation to what God can do here at Woodland. And not because they organized it from here, but because people will be getting discipled and reached out there and they'll have an amazing home church to come to here. You can do it because life is a missions trip. And God has given us a certain window in this generation to make a difference for His glory and for His honor. Imagine living life as an adventure. It becomes an adventure when you say, God, what are you going to do today? I'm listening. My eyes are open. God, use me today. Life is a missions trip. You can bow your heads and close your eyes as we wrap up this gathering this morning. And I always like to ask a couple questions as I close my messages. And the first is this, is if you've never crossed the line into a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. He loves you. And whether it would be for the first time, or maybe you had kind of just kind of slowly walked your own path, and you're like, man, this morning I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to come home to my Savior. If that's you, pray with me in your heart. And the God who knows all hearts will respond to you right where you're at. Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Thank you that you care about me. Thank you that you came and pursued me. And even though, like the prodigal, I've tried to go my own way, Lord, I realize that you alone are God, that I am not. And so I surrender control of my life to you. I cross the line of faith this morning, God, and I place it in you alone. In Jesus' name. And with heads bowed and eyes still closed, if you did pray that prayer, I want to encourage you, mark that on your communication card and take that to the crossings and, and they would love to follow up with you and just encourage you and, and challenge you. But if you were here with eyes still closed, if you said, Jeremy, if uh, I'm going to be honest with you this morning, as I, I live most of my life without sharing my faith or not even thinking about it, and I want to fully be a disciple in this area. I want Jesus to have lordship of my life in this area. God has given me friends and coworkers and neighbors that need Jesus. And I just want to make myself available for whatever God wants to do. If that's you, just raise your hand with no one looking around. Is anybody here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Father God, you see the hands that are up. And Lord, I thank you that you haven't made us all cookie cutter, that you haven't made us all Peters or all Andrews or all Phillips. God, that we're all different. But here's the beauty of it all. God, all of us are called to be on mission. So Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts and break our hearts for our neighbors and our coworkers, our friends, and our relational circles, God. And I pray that you would give us opportunity to be your hands and feet, Lord, as through your Holy Spirit, God, bring even, God, even today, the rest of this day, or, and tomorrow, Lord, I pray that something would happen that we would remember this message. And we would know, God, that we are living on mission. Because life is a missions trip. God, we love you. We thank you for your amazing faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Amen. So here's my challenge for you. For the next seven days, seven days. That's it. I would when you wake up in the morning, the first prayer I want you to pray is this. Lord, open my eyes to see like you, and may I be an answer to someone's prayer today. That's it. simple prayer. Lord, Lord, open my eyes to see like you, and may I be an answer to someone's prayer today. If we begin to do that, I'm excited to hear some stories how God's going to use you this week. God bless you.